0: house Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you.
1: Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast.
2: Hallelujah! Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, Clark. We're keeping this show family friendly.
2: Where's the Tylenol?
1: Welcome to week 34 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline.
0: And this is Mike. This week we're talking about that 1994 financial disaster and horribly panned movie, Mixed Nuts it was written by Nora and Delia Efron, those sisters who write movies together sometimes, and it was directed by Nora Efron. Just a year, one year after Sleepless in Seattle, Caroline. I mean, Sleepless <laughs> in Seattle, the height of heights in 1993, yeah. and Mixed Nuts, a movie that I saw in the theaters, and there was you a total. Did? There was a total of like six people in the theaters. It was one of those. Like we- you would
1: have been like a sophomore in high school and you 16. saw this.
0: I was 16 when this came out. I was. What cris- were
1: you doing watching like a romantic comedy of like mixed nuts
0: it was it was steve martin it was steve martin i had no idea it was steve martin and there was adam sandler in it it was you know what else did you need to know so that's uh, funny
1: So the one sentence plot of this one, you guys, is the events focus around a crisis hotline business on one crazy night during the Christmas holidays.
0: You know, that's pretty dead on. I mean, some of <laughs> these one sentence, uh, one sentence summaries really miss right. the boat on it, but that's that's pretty dead on. So
1: I think so, and you know what? I think that this one brings up all of these little moments because of the structure of this one that that are actually pretty comical and relatable for the holidays. Things that people are upset. About or these just little, these little, little one line nuggets that get you thinking because people call into the hotline with different issues. I, I thought that was actually pretty clever to set it up like that.
0: I did not like this movie when I saw it. I walked out of the theater. <laughs> I can't uh, imagine. I walked out of the theater thinking that was the worst movie I had ever seen. And up to that point, <laughs> I don't know that I had seen Battlefield Earth, which is the worst movie I've ever seen. I actually left the theater. It's the only movie uh, I've left the theater for ever in my 40 years of going to the movies wow. 30, 38 years of going to the movies but yeah i walked out of this movie thinking i i don't get it like i it just didn't make me laugh it was bizarre but i appreciate a lot of it now that i didn't get then
1: so to put it in context for people this was december 21st 1994 so mike and i are in high school um, this is definitely not a movie that i saw during high school but it was one that was on the blockbuster shelves when i was still in high school and i've seen the cover of it so so many times. I just had no idea what it was about.
0: Pretty iconic, I feel like. I feel like it's mm-hmm. something that everyone knows and it's like, oh, yeah, that movie. But if you take it away from them, it, it, it like disappears from their memory. <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, so on a budget of $20 million, this movie only made $6.8 uh, oh, uh, Yeah, man. it debuted Christmas week. I mean, tw- I, it was December 21st it comes out. I'm, I definitely am seeing it because I'm on Christmas break. Uh, like I said, I'm 16. It was me... Uh, four friends, five friends, and like a weird guy. Who-
1: now, to be super fair, the week like four days before Christmas for adults is very busy. Yes. This is not prime time for me to be sitting in a movie theater as an adult. So, I mean, I I could get it why maybe you get some teenagers in there, but I don't see you getting couples sitting there in the in the couple days leading up to Christmas. This
0: got no one, Caroline. Yeah, it, it had it's no just one, but, bad timing uh, but, as
1: far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, it's
0: true and. Especially fast forward however many years, what, 28 years? No Christmas movie, no movie meant to be a Christmas release is released four days before Christmas. Those movies are released, they're released sometime in early November, just right after Halloween really opens the Christmas movie window. I'm using air quotes there. Uh, Because, you know, obviously that's what they want to maximize. They want a movie to run for eight, nine weeks up and through Christmas. If The majority of the people that probably saw this probably saw it a week later on like the 28th.
1: Which I think it loses a lot of its oomph if you're doing it after Christmas because, you know, the the structure of this crisis hotline business, I, I think it's funny. I think it's clever. I, I think that they had a lot of potential there to really make some really – crazy little jokes but i just oh some of them Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) this cast though mike man it it was stacked i was very impressed with so many familiar faces so tom came in on
0: the end of my rewatch i've seen pieces of this movie over the years this was the first time I had sat down and re-watched it from opening credit to closing credit all the way through. Um, so he walks in and he's watching it for a little bit. He recognizes Adam Sandler. But otherwise, he goes, is anyone else in this movie famous? And I, and I turned to him, my mouth Ouch. agape. My mouth <laughs> agape. And I said... Everyone in this movie is famous. Yeah. This movie wow. is that deep. hurts. It hurts. It's it, it hurts. I said the lead <laughs> guy there, the Steve Steve Martin. He's like the he's the most famous person in the movie. He said, "Which one is that?" I I, I I just about smacked the boy. I didn't really. Okay,
1: now off. here's the thing. To be fair, Steve Martin as a boy band blonde just did not work for me at all. I missed his white hair. Can't. And I remember when they used to dye it different colors. Remember when he they would dye it like jet black for certain roles and stuff but this blonde color it took a while the opening sequence of him riding his bike i was like okay we're following this guy this we're following this guy that guy's steve martin like it took a minute or two to see that
0: you know like ever like what like do one of those puzzles in the newspapers where it's two pictures and you have to identify the 10 things that <laughs> yes. are wrong with it spot the difference yeah i spot the difference so i stared like with my head bent like like a dog listening to a high pitched noise for the first ten minutes of the movie, trying to put my finger on what was wrong with what I was seeing. And then I literally like I like I, I have like my finger up in the air going, Aha! His hair's not white. It was so bizarre. It was it's so crazy. very bizarre. Yeah. You're getting Christmas time in L.A. on Venice Beach, like on the boardwalk, the muscle
1: heads. Rollerbladers cracking me That's up. John
0: Stewart and Parker Posey.
1: I know. That really made me laugh when I saw them. I was like, are you for real, these two? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is like MTV age, you know, Jon Stewart. So like yeah. he was a known thing, but he really hadn't obviously blown up yet that he was and just Parker doing. suppose
1: he was super cool back then. Right. I mean, th- yeah, exactly.
0: Th- th- this is the cast. Just running it down. You have Steve Martin. You have Madeline Kahn. I mean, you and I were just talk- talking about her because you were watching Clue recently.
1: And then not only that, but, but I'm surprised that, that that wasn't one that that Tom recognized from Young Frankenstein. I thought surely he would notice her.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah I don't know that I would have either at his age especially made that connection too, and I don't know him and I were just talking about Clue and I don't think I've actually sat him down to watch that yet. Because you have to be of a certain age, I think, to get that movie on a funny level. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, he's 13 now. Maybe he could get it. But I think oh. that's... what. Once he watches it, I think he'll forever associate Madeline Kahn, like all of us do, or mm. most of us do, uh, with Clue. So. And
1: she had her her perfect classic Madeline Kahn voice when she goes, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's so funny. When
0: she's in the elevator and she's doing yeah. the rap and, and yes, she's like... All of that. Yes. Hey! Hey!
1: That's the thing. There were so many moments in this that I that I can't hate on, like that were legitimately funny. Although I gotta say, in this day and age, when we're doing this, her line when she says to Catherine, "You could see the bright side of a plague," I was like, "Oh, girl." You don't know how many, how many of us are trying to do that. So I just, that that hit in a way that it could have never hit back in 94. I enjoy working from home.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you have Robert Klein. When was the last time you saw Robert Klein in anything? But I saw him. I was like, hey, that guy. I love Robert Klein. As soon as I saw right? him,
1: I was like, Yep. Yeah. Same with Anthony LaPaglia. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember him from stuff like
0: Felix. This is a year, a year, the, the next year, Empire Records comes out and he plays mm-hmm. Joe in Empire Records. And I was like, yeah, that Wasn't guy. It with old
1: Parker Posey,
0: uh, yes, I believe so. Yes, there yes, you yes. go. Juliette Lewis. This is this is this is coming out five months after Natural Born Killers, six months after Natural Born Killers. So she's blowing up. She's a huge thing in 1994.
1: I was looking at her um, IMDb and like from 89 to 99, she was just like banging it out, like just show after show.
0: Yeah, made all of her money. Yes. <laughs> uh, Rob Reiner, who I think I feel like pops up in every single thing Nora Ephron does. Yes, and, I and agree. And is, is always killer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That whole pillows shtick that they do in the vet's office yes. uh, with Felix, the vet, uh, Felix, the human. <laughs> Felix,
1: <laughs> and, 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 the and human. Well, <laughs> well remember he says, take, yes. t-
0: take Felix out of his box and put him on the table. Yes. He's like this. Yes. uh And then Pancho the poor uh, soon to be neutered dog. Uh, I, isn't, that, uh, isn't that whole shtick about the pillows off the bed on the bed? Isn't that a riff that him and Tom Hanks do in Sleepless in Seattle?
1: I think, yes, yes. About how many pillows are on the bed. Uh, yes. The throw pillows. The throw yes, pillows. I, I think it comes up in other Nora Ephron shows i am
0: positive i have a clear image in my head of rob reiner and tom hanks in silhouette facing each other having a conversation about throw pillows on the bed
1: there's definitely a why why do women need so many throw pillows conversation that i think is a through line through like almost all nora afron stuff
0: i also agree i mean it, it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's because over in on decorating the set i had like a like an aha moment where i was like i think the same women who like a lot of throw pillows on their bed are the same women who used to have like 400 stuffed animals on their bed. It's just uh. a trade out. like it's the same exact aesthetic. So I think that's where that comes from if the the same woman who had one stuffed animal on her bed probably has one extra pillow.
0: I'm still scorned from being mocked for my bed-in-a-bag aesthetic lifestyle. So I, I don't know. I don't that wasn't know.
1: from me. No,
0: no, that was from Beth. But that was yeah. from Beth, our, it, it, my it co-host cut,
1: for decorating decorating set. cut me to the quick
0: and it haunts hey, me Hey, she
1: said she wasn't down on your bed-in-a-bag, just she suggested you get a second bed-in-a-bag and mix and match the patterns. I
0: believe she asked me if I was still in college. I, I think oh. actually she said, <laughs> I, I, she said, didn't you graduate college, Michael? Ouch. Yes, I believe that's what she said. Uh, yeah, Adam Sandler in the height of his SNL shtick. I gotta ask you. Yeah. I think this is a very divisive issue, especially for people of our of our age and generation. Okay. Were you were you down for the, you know, uh you know,
1: lucky turkey, oh, yeah. ukulele, Adam Sandler, yeah. or like oh, the yeah.
0: slightly the the the
1: slightly the cafeteria oh, lady song yeah exactly yeah, more or, yeah. The, or the more the
0: mature men. and I'm using that in air quotes of like Billy Madison and <laughs> and uh, no I was like all, in all the movies that would come the after the
1: Hanukkah Hanukkah song and all the ode to the cafeteria because the cafeteria lady you know was Chris Farley and that whole interaction between them I mean it was just adorable do you remember him doing that dance Chris Farley was doing that dance for during he was, he was playing the cafeteria Terry Worker. I mean, it was just too much. I love the whole thing. So, no, I was for that. When I saw him, though, I was like, oh my God, Adam Sandler. Like, hilarious.
0: So young. I mean, he was so young.
1: But kind of looks the same. I give him a lot of credit. Uh, that's what Tom said. Really? I said. I
0: said this is this is Adam Sandler, but this is like when he's just breaking out on SNL. He's like in his thirty-year on SNL, and you know he's, he's he's still in the high-pitched singing ukulele stage of of his career. <laughs> you know, he smile. Yes, the so many things. But yeah, so here's the time frame for him. So he joins SNL in ninety. He becomes a cast member. He's a writer at first. He becomes a cast member in the 91 one season. So he's 3 years into doing that and he's, you know, I'm sure he's doing opera man and all this nonsense, yes, you know, yes, on yes. SNL. Other than that, he had he had the Cosby show stint that. I think he's much more famous. He was only in 4 episodes, but then it's SNL and then movies-wise, he's in Coneheads in 93. He's in Airheads in 94, he's in Mixed Nuts in 94 and then Billy Madison is his breakout in 95 and then it's off to the races. You know, yeah. he's got Billy Madison, he's got Happy Gilmore the next year in 96, Wedding Singer 98, Waterboy 98, Big Daddy 99.
1: This is his run for for money.
0: Yeah, this is this is the launch of so many careers because then you have Leif Schreiber. This is Leif Schreiber's literally his first theatrical like movie role. He had been on screen before. This is his first like acting role, though.
1: It was so funny. This is a really interesting mix of established comedians, both men and women, which Mm -hmm. I give a lot of credit to how many female comedians are in this. And then these really breakouts like you have leave and you have Adam and you have like, you know, just even like Haley Joel Osman and like stuff like that, where you just like have these little like moments. But then they're like so anchored with the Gary Shanling and Stephen Wright and like all these like so established, like when you see them, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't even believe that, you know, they, they're like in their prime during this time
0: when the door opens and Gary Shanley is standing there. Again, I had seen this movie and I had totally forgotten that he was in this. When the door opens, it was, if it had been a TV show, the audience would have erupted into applause for the surprise guest appearance of Gary Shanley. And Tom was like, who's that guy? And I was like, that's Gary Shanley. No flipping. No flipping. I still do like the little clicker finger. And when I say no flipping, I love Gary Shanley. We had show (laughs) time.
1: Even to see Rita Wilson was like so crazy to me because this was like, she Mrs. was so young,
0: sure,
1: yeah. But she's so young in this, uh-huh. like, I didn't even appreciate who she was in my mind like, older Rita Wilson, who is just like she plays Rita Wilson in everything right. else. So, to see her actually playing this, like, young, very neurotic woman, it, it was like, wow, like, this is actually what you were like trying to do as a young person. It, it was very fascinating. It was like a whole study in like 90s comedy.
0: It really was. And also, I feel like she is your classic Nora Ephron leading yes. lady character. Stand in. She, I mean, she she is, if you, if you looked at this movie and you said, who does Catherine remind you of? You would probably name characters from Nora Ephron movies. Oh, yeah. Though, I got to tell you, she also kind of reminded me of Odette. Is that who I'm thinking of from, from uh, Steel Magnolias? I relate a lot of things to Steel Magnolias.
1: Okay, tell me, like, which one? Her name is definitely not Odette uh, but the go one ahead.
0: who comes in as the hairdresser and becomes like uh, the converted uh born again kind of
1: Oh gosh, Anel. Yeah,
0: there's a neurosis
1: there. And ki-
0: that, I don't know, for some reason was just kind of like scratching at my back of my brain. Definitely like anxiety.
1: Like you could like you could see her twirling her hair around her finger or whatever. And plus her heart's just like so huge and like mm-hmm. just ready to be like, you know, broken, basically. She's oh, yeah. so hopeful and so new to the world.
0: I mean, so much good shtick. When when uh, Chris calls, the Leaf Schreiber character calls, uh, Steve Martin and Rita are wrestling over not giving the address out. And the two of them are, like, rising and falling uh, with whether or not he's going to give the address out. And Chris is getting more and more distressed. And finally, yeah. Steve Martin gives the address out. And the both of them, like, are, like, broken that they've, br- yeah. that they've uh, you know, breached this protocol that they have set themselves. It's just so funny. Like, the the the, the things that they stress themselves about in this movie is very funny. <laughs> but when she climbs into the bathtub, I was like, oh my god, this is a thing with you and me watching Kevin Kidd F himself. Also, several bathtub scenes. It's like a place where yeah women go apparently to collect themselves
1: clothes into bathtubs i I, will, I was trying to really think about that though i was i was asking myself like where does this come from and like what is this and is this just like at like a safe safe space kind of thing like it's like a like a mini little like a uh, panic room like that you can like climb into that's all i could come up with i was like why do why do people climb in? i've never done that have you ever done that No, I've never climbed in a bathtub when I'm upset just to just to lay in it fully clothed.
0: (laughs) The only time I have ever sat or laid in my bathroom clothed was when I was in law school and I needed to memorize 50 Supreme Court cases and their details.
1: And you laid in a bathtub?
0: I no. I laid uh, I sat on the floor up against the bathtub, kind of underneath my sink uh, until uh, 5 a.m
1: good lord what is
0: that i had to commit to memory i had a, i had a midterm in the morning so i had to get it done and i did and i was able to recite so when this test started i i took a scrap paper and i wrote out all 50 cases and just kind of brain dumped it onto the page and then went from there and then i was that was like a little bibliography for myself and i was able to refer to it for the rest of the test and it was fine and it worked out well
1: oh wow well so maybe there's something about the bathroom that that's that's key
0: Well, the acoustics are great. It's where I'm a superstar singer, but she doesn't sing in the scene, so I don't know. They eventually do have sex in the bath uh, in the bathroom, though.
1: Yeah. Although that scene didn't do it for me at all. I was like, really? This would, I would be like, get off of me. Like I cannot have my head by the toilet. Like no. Also no, no, Steve no.
0: Martin is maybe one of the most asexual people ever put on the planet.
1: Funny you say that. I agree with you. Like I'm I don't get any of those vibes off of him.
0: Yeah, no. Not at all. It's just mm-hmm. not his bag. His bag is his bag is a dad, like, you know, father of the bride. But you mm-hmm. don't you never think about how they got to have a daughter.
1: Even when they were, like, watching, like, when he was watching Catherine leave the room and his head is, like, going mm-hmm. back and forth, like, watching her walk away, I was like, this is very forced. <laughs> it <laughs> like, does, yes. It doesn't feel like he's yeah. actually attracted to this woman. Like, No. Mm-mm. And maybe he
0: has never been attracted to another human. I mean, the way the way he, like, kind of lowers his head down to, like, get, yeah. g- like, like, more eye level with her tush. But, yeah, it's like no human has ever done that, ever.
1: <laughs> like, him and Diane Keaton are, are the match. That's perfection. That they have they both have a little bit of an asexuality, like we are just companions, but they work. I can handle that without a lot of sexuality to them.
0: Yeah, like lifetime friends. Like you could be in a wonderful mm-hmm. marriage with Steve Martin, but you will never have sex. Like you have to go find that <laughs> elsewhere.
1: But but he'll probably play the banjo for you and and he'll and he'll dance, like you, little, know. Hey, action,
0: you know. Hey. Check all
1: that dance moves that that we got to see him do. I swear, that was pretty pretty good moves, man. He can cut a rug.
0: Uh, when, <laughs> when he, his head is up against a uh, chest yes. and, and Lee says, you make me feel, dancing with you makes me feel all fluffy inside. I, and I was like, "Aw, <laughs> I love that line. I love that line there so were much. There so
1: many lines in this that I, I like actually wrote down like several of them because I was like, these are crazy little moments that I, I loved. I thought they were actually funny. I know this movie is not a good movie, but it has its moments.
0: I am not ready to say that. (laughs) I gotta tell you, I'm not ready to say that. I think, so here is the thing. This is a dark comedy, like a black comedy, but it's also slapstick. And I think a lot of people's view, I think a lot of people's problems with this movie is the inability to wrap your head around both of those things, because they are not natural companions.
1: And we had this issue, actually, if you remember, in the least liked movie of this podcast. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang anytime they tried to throw in a little slapstick mm. we were so confused and we were like this this movie just can't seem to figure out what it is like it like it has this this totally other vibe to it and then every once in a while somebody like slip on a banana peel kind of thing and you're like wait, what? I think this was more balanced because of how many comedians you had in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a lot of moments of just, you got it. You just got that. This was just going to be a moment where they were just going to be silly. And, you know, you just had to go with it, you know, but then when you add in like Stephen Wright, like he also sells that dark, dry humor in a way that like, you can't debate it. Like he did it, you know, and he does it well.
0: Yeah, listen. That scene made me laugh out loud.
1: I, I know. And she's like, "Click it, click it." She
0: she goes to hang up, and then you just hear the gunshot as it's like clicking as it like as she's hanging up. And then she hangs up the phone. Steve Martin walks over, and she goes, "Oh, we were disconnected." Yeah. And then, and then he he says, well, if they're really if they're really in a need, they're going to call right back. And the two of them stare at the phone so yes. intently. They have really good chemistry. <laughs>
1: Even when he goes, he picks up the phone. He goes and he goes. Um, he goes, "Yep, the, it's still working. Line still working." Like that. Like, but like, only like a wait. split
0: second. Like yeah. only a split second because he, he doesn't want to take a chance that he's missing the call. Yeah, like, just to check that. so much. It's So funny. But the, the gunshot <laughs> as the, she's hanging it up, like clearly he's not calling back. That's right. a dark yeah. scene. But I didn't get that really at sixteen, or it didn't the. Like, humor of it why it was funny didn't make sense to me then very much made sense to me now on top of the fact that i like Stephen wright i think he's very
1: funny that's why it's so not aimed at you at 16 like you probably didn't really realize who Stephen wright was at 16 no, no. you know you couldn't appreciate his humor until i think you're older right but and so
0: here's the thing i think the whiplash for this movie is you have scenes like that which okay you're getting on board with it they're gonna shoot carrie Shanling, they're gonna dress him up like a christmas tree and stick you know put him in sacks and stick
1: branches in him which we should have seen coming mr tannenbaum <laughs> they they laid it right out there for us. Yeah, the movie is not terribly subtle. It's really not. <laughs> you know, so you have all these kind of
0: dark moments, right? Yeah, I mean, th- Just the, their call menu. Oh, my God. Uh, Caroline, their call menu is, are you suicidal or merely depressed? <laughs> if it's suicidal, it will take you urgently. If if you're just merely depressed, please wait. You know, like merely. all that. It's, 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 that's the phrasing. Because when I was taking my I notes know, out, I was like, I wanted to make so sure funny. it was debilitating. Like, yeah, it made me laugh. Like, I appreciate that. I <laughs> love that dark humor. But then, you know, they've got... Chris, you know, banging his knee or getting smacked in the face, and it's you could see like Jerry Lewis, like, hey, "Hey, lady," you know, like it's all that, and, and it's like, what's the tone of this movie? The tone of this movie is all over the place. I have a, I have a reason for that, though, maybe. Okay, because one, you have Nora Ephron, and I think Nora does write dark humor. I think dark humor is a definite feature of a lot of her movies or adult humor. Humor not aimed at teenagers. Like, you have to have a certain maturity level to get a lot of her humor. But this movie is based on a French film that I'm not going to try and say with a horrible French accent, but the translation of the French film is Santa Claus is a stinker. It was a 1982 Mm. film. It was a French comedy. French comedy, I mean, I was just doing my very bad Jerry Lewis, you know, hey, nice lady! You know, that's like all farce. It's all slapstick. It's that's that whole genre. It's not dark humor, it's slapsticky humor, it's farcical humor. There's a natural vibe of that, I think, that's coming in here, that French influence, French comedy influence, put together against Nora and Delia's dark sense of humor. It's a little oil and water. It doesn't quite work as a cohesive film. But individually, I like all the segments, though. The segments all made me laugh in different moods. You know what I mean? But like, you're you're having a switch, though. You're having a brain switch. Oh, this is farce and, and, and slapstick. Oh, this is dark humor.
1: Even the entire Felix and Grace plotline with her being how pregnant is she? Not We don't really know. He's only been out of prison for seven months. But then they totally do the whole, like, Virgin Mary with her wearing the, the veil kind of thing over her head and everything and giving birth in the manger. And I think, I mean, Nora Ephron, I think, is poking humor at, at Christian and Christianity there. And the entire, you know, I, the story of Christmas. There's a lot of, like, you know, who is the dad? Exactly. <laughs> exactly you know that i thought was really funny did the dark comedy work for you because
0: you have a kind heart so i'm not Mm -hmm. sure if like the stephen wright thing does that like do you find that kind of thing funny and and this version of it did did it make you laugh or did you like more of the slapstick comedy scenes like the dancing together tango scene and the juxtaposition (laughs) of that that kind of juxtaposition humor that's not necessarily like dark
1: these are the comedians I grew up with, and and I am all in with all of them, including Nora Efron. So for me, because they each have these really distinct approaches to comedy, I think that they all stayed in their lane, and so that was completely fine by me. Everything that everyone was doing... It layered on layer on layer all these different comedians just way, but they stuck to what they do. So I I don't expect anything different. there's nothing Stephen Wright being on screen. There's there's nothing else that could have happened. Do you know what I mean? Like or or Madeline Kahn. Like there's no way she's not singing and she's not singing in a hilarious voice. And you know like these are just what these people do. Robert Klein is going to complain and be like a grumpy old man. Like this is just their shticks. And so I was completely. Okay with all of it. I don't know how that works for other people who aren't familiar with each of their approaches to comedy, and and if they would would feel like it was more whiplashy, or if they would sort of just get that they're just melding all these different personalities together.
0: One of the things I liked about this movie was because I think it's meant to be tongue in cheek, and I think you're not meant to take it as like serious commentary but things like just remember that in every pothole there is hope i mean can, can yes. i read you, can i do a dry reading of that steve martin quote sure. just remember that in every pothole there is hope well you see pothole is spelled p-o-t-h-o-l-e so if you take the p and add it to the h the o and the e and rearrange the letters or contrawise contrariwise you remove the o t and l well you get hope so just remember In every pothole, there is hope. That's hysterical. In the same way, (laughs) L.A. Story. I don't know if you've seen L.A. Story. L.A. Story is so funny because it is just this character assassination of Los Angeles culture at that time. The scene with the earthquake while they're all having uh, dinner in the restaurant. And they all just kind of hold their water glasses and continue their conversations while everything rumbles. You know, except for the non-L.A. people who don't get that you drive everywhere, even if you're just going to your next door neighbor's house. you still get in your car and you drive down the street instead of walking like all that kind of thing. This movie is doing that same kind of like poking at those tropes and like, you know, the idea of those kinds of people who – I don't think they're belittling crisis hotlines, but they're definitely having some fun with this idea of these people should not be in charge of saving anyone's life. You know, Steve Martin has that realization. He's like, I can't save I can't save my own life, let alone anyone else's kind of thing. And he's right. These are dysfunctional people. They should not be in charge of anyone's mental health kind of thing. And if you're going with, you know, in every pothole, there is hope because your dad said that because you said your dad said that and got hit by a mixed nuts truck i know (laughs) that's not a great origin story for a successful business there's a reason why you're being evicted from gary shandling's condo
1: i think there was something so poetic about it being this group of dysfunctional people who like you're calling out to on christmas because for me i'm such a huge golden girls fan and rose nylan aka betty white works at the grief counseling center and like again no one should be giving advice (laughs) like Like, Rose talks about things. But those are the people who have the biggest hearts and who, like, are on the phone waiting to talk to you. But at the same time, they have, of course, their own messes, you know. And they're not perfect or anything. And so I appreciated, actually, that extra twist with Philip about how he's so great over the phone, but in person he's such a mess. That was an interesting little kind of, like, quirk to make him have.
0: The pitch that I came up with that that Nora Ephron must have clearly gone to TriStar with— is it's Christmas in Venice Beach, L.A., with a motley crew of dysfunctional people surrounding a crisis hotline. Do you get more surefire Hollywood hit than that? That sounds like gold on paper. And then when you stack it with this cast, you have to wonder what went wrong. You have this deep bench of really funny people established and new. You have a very funny premise what's what misses for this movie why was this such a flop i'm curious if you have a a a theory on why this missed so so badly six six point eight million dollars
1: well okay so i'm gonna go back to the very poor choice to release it on december 21st i i just don't think anybody is in the movie theater the week before christmas i think that people um are running around doing stuff to for the holidays really kind of no matter what your background is because even if you don't necessarily celebrate christmas there's still a lot of rushing around for like holiday parties in general even if it's just at work or whatever the other thing is that i think there was a lot of jokes and a lot of moments that i don't know how to say this i know this is a family-friendly podcast so i'm going to try to say this in the it, uh, let's see. It's like if you're trying to get the top of a hill, right? And you're like getting there and getting there and getting there and getting there, but you don't ever quite get up over the top of the hill. That's how this movie felt. Like there were jokes that went that maybe should have gone a little bit further, or there were jokes that just, it was like, yeah, that was funny, but it either lasted too long or not long enough. I I think that the editing kind of suffered here in different ways that it, you know, there are parts that really could have been tightened up, you know, and, and it would have been so much more impactful. But uh, that that's all I got. It was like, oh, no.
2: <laughs> no,
0: I see that. As great as this cast is on paper, you didn't need all the storylines. You, right. you didn't need Louis. You didn't need Adam Sandler. Not really. He was just a good grab to bring people in.
1: If we were on Project Runway, they'd be like, you got to step back and be like – I just, I think we could tighten this up. You know, right. I think we could do better. Juliette Lewis for me, she always plays one character, Juliet Lewis. That's yeah. it. And so, again, like, she's such a specific character. Like, I think we got who she was way earlier than the amount of they showed her and right. I didn't think we had to spend quite as much time with her in order to get her kind of wild way, you know?
0: Yeah. Remember though, she's the big star at this moment though. I mean, Very I, true. I, I, you, I can't, I, I mean, people forget <laughs> how big a movie uh, her and Woody going around killing people were in 1994.
1: And I do love a good makeover portion. So that part, I was like actually being like, ee! when that happened, my
0: guess is on top of the whiplash humor where you're having to switch constantly between uh, your mindset of slapstick you know goofy humor and darker more like maybe r-rated kind of humor um but it has like a pg-13 vibe to it i think this movie is just about ahead of its time i i don't think culture was at this can i, I want to play this clip from the end of the movie because i think this is what this movie is about Or at least as far as it being a Christmas movie Is about and I don't think 1994 Audiences were there yet I think it would work better today
2: You're upset Because it's Christmas Christmas is a time When you look at your life through a magnifying glass And whatever you don't have Feels overwhelming Being alone Is so much lonelier at Christmas Everything Sad so much sadder at Christmas. You can't give in to this, Felix. I thought today was gonna be the worst day of my life, but then something wonderful and unexpected happened. Well, first, something horrible and unexpected happened. Well, actually, three horrible and unexpected things happened, but then something wonderful. The holidays aren't over yet, Felix. They're not over for you, and they're not over for Gracie. Who knows? Who knows there's magic at Christmas and I'll bet if you come down, you'll find that out.
0: It sucks being alone. It sucks being alone even more at Christmas. All of that kind of ethos that that pathos that this movie has, this just wasn't that, especially as a Christmas movie I don't think we were there yet in 1994. Sometimes life is a turd. Sometimes you do get coal in your stocking idea of the world. I, I feel like that's much more of a 2000s on uh, view that that audiences were were down to get. I, okay. I, I, I think tonally it's just ahead of its time. I, I think you fast forward 15, 20 years later, and this movie probably does a lot, lot better.
1: I think so, too. I think that this was somehow in the wrong place at the wrong time. The, there was another little tiny little one-liner. Was It was the woman who called in saying she was seeing everybody buying all the big turkeys, and she was in the 10 or less line with her little chicken breast, and she just felt like she was always going to be in the 10 or less line. My son, Jack, was watching with me, and he's like, I don't get it. Why would she be so upset about being in the 10 or less line? And I'm like, it's not that, Jack. It's that she feels like she's never going to have a big family- To be cooking for, she's always only going to need 10 items or less to make her holiday dinner because there's just not that many people that she would be celebrating with. And he was like, oh, that sentiment, again, I'm agreeing with you wholeheartedly. It would be so much more right in the 2000s, you know, even in the 2020s. I mean, how hard would that hit during COVID? The I feel like I'm always going to be in the 10 items or less, you know, comment. It feels like it would hit hard. Like, oh, God, how many of us were sitting alone? I think you're so right. You know, it was a wrong week in the wrong year this came out. For sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. And I I, uh, wholeheartedly agree with you. The release date is bad. Bad, bad. Just bad. Super, super bad.
1: Are you ready to talk? Is this a Christmas movie?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think all I think right. That's all so it's let's
1: do it. I I think it is a Christmas movie. I think the the little clip that you just played, I I think that that hits so hard. And every single little problem, even when it's just a one liner in here, reflects someone's experience of what Christmas is like. Even when we have just the, the really small. Storyline really of Chris, you know, and having his family be such jerks to them and stuff. I mean, that's really the only family that we see during the holiday here. That's like a like a larger whole collective group with like obviously a grandma and kids and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like, and to see that not as a happy, wonderful place for everyone, you know. Like, obviously, Chris didn't feel happy and and like he belonged there and he felt isolated. There was a whole thing there.
0: That juxtaposition of it's a family all wearing their dumb christmas sweaters singing right. singing their dumb christmas carols decorating the tree drinking their eggnog and here you have chris coming out of out of the room after getting the address and leaving it's it, it, it crisp passing through the room is just a thing for them all to wait patiently. It'll be over soon.
1: Well, they tease him. They call him Arnold Schwarzenegger and then they all go Arnold, 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 that whole thing. And then but, they pick like, right up with yeah. their
0: Christmas cheer as soon as the yeah. door closes. Literally mm-hmm. resume singing again.
1: That is
0: scathing because that juxtaposition of you're not really part of this family. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? We're OK with you not being part of this family, which is really progressive for 1994. We're not getting transgender stories in 1994. even, not Rent, even a little. Even mm-hmm. Rent, maybe the most groundbreaking musical ever about homosexuality and, and AIDS and, and cross-dressing and, and transgenderism, that's 96. This is so far ahead of its time having this character. And other than the crappy family response, the Arnold, 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 no one mocks chris no one treats chris 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 gets beat up a lot and is the object of slapstick violence but not because she's transgendered or anything like that
1: you know what i mean I, I think that the sentiment seems to be amongst the rest of the non-family. Seems to be like they're not quite sure what to do. Like, you know, the whole, do I dance? Do I not dance? Like, he was kind of leaning against the wall and then... Yeah, but first, he gives over to scared... it, though. He totally <laughs> does. He totally does. And every single person who walks in does that first initial, like, what is happening? And, and then sort of figures it out. Even, even Mrs. Munchnik, even
0: the oldest woman in the movie, who you would assume would be the most anti- or phobic against that kind of thing, takes... Umbridge more with uh philip the steve martin character you know with a strumpet not that it's a, a man wearing women's clothing or anything like that it's more like he's acting in improperly with a patient in the office and adam sandler is in his early 20s at this time probably mid-20s at this time he's he's someone that you know alpha guys are gonna look to and and and, and frat bros are gonna look to sitting down and having very cute moments with Chris nice. and and not treating you know he sings this so much to know about you song for, you yes. know for her all of that i thought was wonderful and wildly progressive for its time and again another example of a movie that was tackling a subject that wouldn't even become a hot button issue for many more years to come
1: i totally agree so okay so on the christmas portion of it all what do you think? I, I think for the
0: reasons you set
1: forth, and I'm going to add even more hitting some of our themes, this
0: idea of the clip I played comes at the end of the movie where he's talking about it took three horrible things to happen, but then a miracle happened. It's not, the, you know, it's not quite Christmas yet. Christmas isn't over yet. A miracle can still happen for you. This idea of a, there's magic at Christmas, uh, Philip says in that clip. Magic at Christmas? Come on! You're, you're, you're tickling all my Christmas boxes. He start talking about magic. And, <laughs> and, and Catherine from from early on in the movie, when they realize about the eviction, she's talking about miracles almost from the get-go. Is this the miracle? Has the miracle happened? Yeah. Is a miracle gonna happen? Magic is in the air. It's it's in the realm of possibility for these characters that a miracle might happen because they need something to happen. Because if it's you know, without a miracle, only bad things are gonna happen.
1: All the the spilled out hope in this one, you know, that it can get better, it will get better, all that. I mean, it hit my little heart. I think it was it was an important concept for a Christmas movie it's just like our bad Santa's all of our dark comedy ones where it's like there's other people at Christmas besides this whole grandma and grandpa are coming and we're having a big family dinner and you know all the kids are coming home like there's a whole there's a lot of other stories to be told
0: you know you you don't need blood to have family kind of thing and this movie especially by the end of it is very much making this group of dysfunctional people of family that come together and support each other. There's the it's a it's one of the famous photos it's used other than the normal. It's actually the shot that's on the VHS cover, like inside Steve Martin's chest. Creepy as that sounds um, of all of them sitting on the bench shoulder to shoulder, almost like a lineup sitting down. Like that's a family. That is a yes. family who was assembled at Christmas time to watch the nativity birth of of <laughs> Juliet Lewis's baby and Felix's baby, uh, Anthony <laughs> Paglia's baby. So uh, La Paglia. Uh, so yeah, I mean you've got you've got the nativity scene at the end. I don't know if, if you watched everyone in the crowd uh, as the camera pulls out. You've got a donkey is there. You've got a candy cane man dressed up. You've got a man in a snowman costume. Oh, like a gin-
1: yeah, the gingerbread man that was the one that kept catching the, my eye. The
0: gingerbread man, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> pointed him out but like there's a donkey all the way to the left there's yeah. an angel there
1: even all their names it's like Mr. Tannenbaum his, her name is Grace his name is Felix like you, you got you got all this going on yeah
0: it's hitting you over the head left and right with the magic of Christmas and the need to be around family that you know what it does suck to be alone and it is worse at Christmas time and we're not going to sugarcoat that but find your people find your tribe and it'll make it a little more bearable I don't think you get much more Christmassy than that um, but you got to look for it, though. You <laughs> You got to look for it.
1: So let's get into some fast facts. But I actually want you to start us off with the soundtrack, because I think that for me, this had a ton of great Christmas music in it.
0: Yeah, a lot of standards, but redone for this movie. The, the soundtrack, they released the movie December 21st, but the soundtrack comes out November 22nd. Why didn't they release the movie with the soundtrack? I mean, what are we doing here, folks? And you know what? The soundtrack is excellent. You've got uh, a mixed-nuts jazz version by Dr. John. You've got Fats Domino's I'll Be Home for Christmas. Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt. Blue Christmas by Leon Redbone. You've got the OJ singing What Are You Doing New Year's Eve. Uh, Adam Sandler is on here with Grape Jelly. Carly Simon's Night Before Christmas. Fantastic. And you have White Christmas by The Drifters uh, at the end. Some great songs. There are a couple more I didn't read there but yeah if you're looking for standards done by people or versions that maybe you haven't heard before definitely a a soundtrack to go check out for that christmas magic time
1: i love that all right so i got a fast fact for you so the originally considered um actors to play felix and gracie were actually kadeem hardison and rosie perez i 100 percent see rosie perez as gracie like that fits perfectly for me. So I actually would have been completely cool with that casting.
0: Uh, this is not a movie strong on diversity. So it's interesting to think that for two people who get as much play as Felix and especially Gracie get in the movie, this idea of having Kadeem and Rosie be those characters, really interesting. And I got to tell you, I actually don't like Juliet Lewis as an actress.
1: I don't either. I don't think she ever plays anyone other than Juliet Lewis. <laughs> and, I, and, and,
0: and that character is not likable to me. I never really... With it, and I'm not crazy about Lapaglia in this movie either, because you know what, you are a loser. It's not that you're not a loser; you're an artist. You are just a loser. Listen, if you're Santa coming in with a gun,
1: if you don't even have any clothes to wear besides the Santa suit, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, though yeah, I'll when when he's undressing and then they all f- end up falling in the apartment, I laugh. I love that <laughs> slapstick. That's always going to work know, with me. It is silly. Um, but I mean, K- Kadim Hardison is like a different world. But that's a wild yeah. choice to play this character of Felix, because you know he's pretty put together. He's 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 like a cool guy in a different world to me anyway to to 13 year old mike 14 year old mike you know he's like a cool guy uh, so yeah kind of kind of a wild casting choice i would have definitely definitely love i'm a big rosie perez fan i, I mean me too. I, I love her from like white man can't jump and stuff so
1: this would have been dead on for her too like this was this was a great time for her
0: let us start with the letter q alex what is a hint. I love that scene. Oh my God, it's the best. There's a scene in a movie where you hear an irate neighbor yelling from down the hallway. He's an unseen, irate neighbor. Eagle eared listeners will notice that that's actually Victor Garber supplying that voice. That's so crazy. I, they know everyone. This is a stack even Thank the you. even the off-screen voices are super famous people. It's crazy.
1: I love the small little details in this one like I love that Mrs. Muchnick was reading the issue of Distress magazine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it made me laugh. I loved all those little things. The Distress Magazine made me laugh. I like the call menus. I already mentioned that there's a Lifesavers call menu, but they call uh, like the L.A. Times, I think. And there's that really super complicated call menu yes. that if you listen to all the choices <laughs> are really, really funny and they make no sense. And this is the age. I mean, they run into this in the movie where I think Gracie doesn't even have a dial. She doesn't have a, a, a push phone. She still is yeah. using like a rotary. She's, mm-hmm. she's like, I can't even use this menu, you know? <laughs> So, so which is a crazy thing to think about people having still having rotary phones. I had a we we had a rotary phone yeah, uh, at, at this at point, point. At, at still 1994. We had a rotary phone in operation. We had a cordless also, but we had a rotary phone. So kind of funny. like I love the little details. It's a very visual movie. There's lots of little gags, so many more than we could probably even point out here.
1: OK, Mike, are you ready to give it some? Jingle Bell Ratings. I'm
0: ready to start thinking about Jingle Bell Ratings <laughs> while we play a clip of next week's movie. You are, okay, let's you're, hear it. You're I'm excited. It. All right. I
1: have no idea what it's going to be. I'm excited.
2: So now you go to see your girlfriend. By the way, is it serious?
1: Yes, very. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we'll both be engaged Monday. I think we will. Uh I don't want you to misunderstand me. I just said in my case, it might happen.
2: Well, as a matter of fact, I can tell you it will happen.
1: Wow, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, we're going deep into the vault. We're going back to 1940 for The Shop Around the Corner.
1: Wow. Okay, I have never even heard of this movie. Okay, this will be fascinating.
0: Five years before It's a Wonderful Life comes out. Our favorite, Murray! Murray! Oh, Murray! Uh, he's back.
1: I don't, he's, he's always so, like, distressed. He's often
0: distressed, and it's a That's wonderful okay. life.
1: Clarence! So Clarence! I, I wanna live,
0: Clarence! Go! Clarence, where are you? Um, he's back. Baby! He is starring in The Shop Around the Corner from 1940. So get ready for some Jimmy Stewart next week. There's a little connection to this movie, uh, to Mix Nuts and The Shop Around the Corner. Do you want to take a stab at what it is?
1: Okay. I I don't know. No, I don't know.
0: So Nora Ephron and her sister Delia in 1998 go on to write a little movie called You've Got Mail, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And that is a loose remake or inspired of this movie, The Shop Around the Corner. And in fact, her little bookstore, I believe, is called The Shop Around the Corner in that movie. But plot wise, the idea of uh they hate each other in real life but they uh secret but they have a relationship and you've got mail it's an online email relationship my understanding is in the shop around the corner it is a pen pal relationship uh they don't they fall in love that way but in in person don't like each other so you've got mail written by Nora Ephron who also wrote and directed this movie is based on the movie we're watching next week so,
1: very fascinating. There okay. You are you ready to give a jingle bell rating? I think I
0: am. All I right, think I, I am. Hear
1: it. Go ahead. Oh, man. Gentlemen first.
0: Oof. I guess I actually wasn't ready. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> are you looking at
1: your spreadsheet?
0: I was looking at my spreadsheet, but I, I well, kind of want to go a little more gut for it. Okay. I See, my rest i am wrestling with the fact that I think I like this movie upon rewatching it so much more than I did as a 16-year-old. But I think even now, I probably like this movie now more than most others. And so I'm, I'm trying to think of a rating that people are going to be like, "You're insane and have no credibility." But I, so I, I, I think I think I'm going to go—I'm <laughs> going to go 6.75, just under a seven. It is a Christmas movie. I think it does have a Christmas theme that resonates more today than it did in 19 before but i think there is a lot of tone issues that make it an uneven watch like you have to you have to do work I think to get this movie and to enjoy this movie and to take something away from this movie. We've watched plenty of movies at this point in the 34 weeks that you can enjoy as a Christmas movie without doing nearly the work that this one asks of you. So, uh, so I'm going with a 6.75 because I got to tell you, it did make me laugh. So
1: I like that explanation because I think you're dead on it. it, I I'm going to give it a six and it's for much of the same reasons. I just feel like It had like so many good kernels of a good idea, and I thought the actual structure of this Crisis Hotline at Christmas was a great setup. So there was a lot going for it, going in, and you had a great cast, but... Everything you said about how hard you have to work for it, how much it gets you. It gets you so close, but you just don't get there. It, <laughs> there were points where that became frustrating, you know, where you're like, I just I really wanted to laugh a little bit bigger than that. I wanted or I don't want to be spending so much time with this particular character. And and I and I don't even think that Philip was like fully realized. I like probably Catherine of all of the characters.
0: I think she's the only truly likable character. I think Chris is likable too, but she
1: was fleshed out better because she was. I think you called it I think she's Nora. So yeah. I think that, that she is fleshed out and, and you really get who she is and everybody else, you get pieces like Philip, okay, so his dad died being hit by a mixed nuts truck. Okay, so he was in the Peace Corps. Okay, so then you get like you get all these nuggets, but then you're like, How did he end up here? exactly or how in the world did mrs muchnick end up here like there was just all these little parts to it that were like this is just kind of wild they could they could redo this movie
0: i'm shocked that it hasn't been redone
1: yes because this is one that is so ripe for a reboot with it just taking it a little bit further with each one and and editing out some of the extra characters i think a hundred
0: percent i i think that is a strong note and if anyone from hollywood is listening (laughs) You definitely should. You definitely, I mean, all, all of these people, I think, are still alive. So you can even re, you can even recast some of them and just tighten up the script a bit. Yeah, it, it definitely is a story that works with some editing of itself. I mean, it's only 97 minutes, so lengthwise editing, I mean, you can't make it much shorter. But just content-wise, yeah, f- flesh out Philip Moore. Yeah. give us some understanding of him he runs a crisis hotline and he's so much more concerned with his check boxes of what line did you call in on it all your notes but
1: that just made me laugh so hard when he would let it ring and ring and he or or when the person was be like I wrote it down he's like the person would be like everyone hates me and he's like everyone hates you okay and this is your last Christmas like he's like writing it all down I mean that actually really made me laugh so hard and I kind of got it about like that he he was so much better like on his resume than he was right. when the guy's actually standing in front of you the amount of times he calls people
0: nuts or crazy in this movie is yes. shocking that's yes. definitely something that would have to be addressed in a 2021 script but i like the double meaning that ends up getting to mixed nuts because they are so different all of these people they're mixed and they are crazy so they are nuts so they are them themselves mixed mm-hmm. nuts as well as his father being run over by a mixed nuts truck so i mean it's work <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pun in itself. It's working on different levels. But yeah, shocking how often he calls people crazy in this movie or nuts. Uh, he says it a lot. It's not great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think the entire movie has layers. And I think you could recreate these layers even more thought out and more and the characters even be more fleshed out i mean i think this is very doable i would love to see this in like the hands of like dan levy or somebody you know oh. where like they actually like worked these characters out like take nora Ephron's ideas and then bring it to 2022 and see what what that would look like now you know because i think this could really work couldn't you see him couldn't you see dan playing philip
0: for sure for sure, And I like, think how call. good
1: would that be? You know, like there's, there's something there.
0: Honestly. you, I mean, I see Catherine. We could probably O'Hara, recast
1: this whole thing.
0: I, I mean, I see Eugene, Catherine, Dan, uh, yeah. they're all, they all fit in this movie. Honestly. You could in roles. see
1: Sarah in this. You could yeah. see Annie in this. Congratulations
0: to Sarah. She just got married.
1: I heard. Uh, I we heard
0: weren't heard invited to that. the wedding, but oh, we want to, uh, big <laughs> congratulations to Ms. Levy. Yes. Sarah, if yes. you're nasty. So
1: oh, nice. <laughs> This is Caroline.
0: And this is Mike. Thank you guys for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and all of Pod Clubhouse's podcasts, that would be fantastic. And while you're there, if you could leave us a five-star rating, we would really appreciate it because remember, in every pothole, there is hope. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.